Welcome to Rivals Podcast. I'm Jacob Siciliano. Alongside me, as always, Nolan Hamilton. And today, we are back in wonderful Prospect High School in our new studio. We're going to be bringing in soundproofing and much more. This thing is only going to get more high-tech as we go. But it feels so nice to have a little bit of a sense of normalcy. Nolan and I, we've been doing our podcast over Zoom for the last year and a half, trashing on the Bears and Matt Nagy <laughs> and so forth. But it feels so good to finally be back in some brick and mortar talking with you in person. Yeah, it's so weird. It feels feels nice to be back in here. It feels fresh. A lot of stuff is yet to be done in here. It's gonna be it's gonna be really nice when we finish. But for right now, it's a place for us to do this, and I'm thankful to have it. It's it's pretty nostalgic too if you think about it. Some of the people that we've interviewed over Zoom and some of the faces that we've interviewed in person. You think about Mike Sahaki and who's playing football at Cornell University right now was in our first podcast studio. We interviewed some stars by the likes of Jeff Joniak and Jeff Dickerson over Zoom the last couple of years and now we're back in person. New chapter for Rivals Podcast. And with that comes some oddities and Nolan, I believe you got a bit of a story for us. We were talking a little bit before the podcast. So you brought up Jeff Dickerson, and as you know, he's a beat reporter for ESPN. And ESPN made a bit of an oopsie. So <laughs> on Saturday, there was they did a high school football showcase when they didn't have any college football games on because it was college football week zero, if people that were watching. So there's a school out there called IMG Academy. If you don't know what it is, most people do. It's the number one prep school for sports in the country. It is an all-sports school. And they played in ESPN, which happens. They play in ESPN2 all the time. But the special thing about this game is they played a high school called Bishop Sycamore. And here's the thing about Bishop Sycamore. It doesn't exist. Bishop Sycamore is a high school that was created to play on ESPN. They... The coach, who turned out to be a convicted felon that has an arrest warrant, coached a group of of former JUCO kids against IMG Academy and got smoked 58 to nothing, tricking ESPN thinking they were a high school team. This is the most odd sports story I've ever heard. I figured we're going to start the new odd season in our studio with probably the oddest football story I've ever heard. And it's absolutely crazy, too, because the players were not even of age to be playing high school football. They're, they're, like you said, JUCO transfers, and the coach is a convicted felon. And it's so funny how this is they fooled ESPN. Because mm-hmm. I, I believe that ESPN set this match up between IMG. I, yes. I, don't think, yeah. I don't think it was IMG going out and finding this game, but there was one of the quotes given by one of the play-by-play announcers. And pretty much it went along the lines of, this game has to stop or somebody is going to get hurt. Somebody is not going to walk off the field today if this game keeps going on. It was an absolute brutal showdown. It was 56 nothing IMG is what the final score was. I was just looking it up. And and when, when you see such a dynasty of ESPN, right? ESPN is the biggest thing for sports media. I think, unquestionably, they have a dynasty over the in- industry, right? Mm-hmm. When you see them make a slip-up this big, it's it's just hilarious to sit back and have a laugh because 
Oh my gosh. I how do you let a convicted felon <laughs> I mean I guess I, yeah, it's, I guess he's a pretty good con artist. It's not even that it's like that like the team was really high in it too. If you went to their website and you looked up, first of all, they're an online school, which is kind of their cover. They actually said that on the broadcast. But secondly, you look at it, you go to their okay, yeah, I'm gonna go look at their school, I'm gonna look at their about me. There's nothing on their about me section on the website. So they basically got away with something with minimal effort. It's crazy that this even happened, but I it just it's something that you when you look at football, this thing doesn't happen. But I was thinking, wouldn't this make in a hilarious comedy movie? Like kind of like the replacements where you could have a group of like actors go and play this all star football team. That sounds like a perfect comedy movie in the making. And it's like, are you kidding me? At ESPN, like, mm-hmm. you couldn't have someone look up this school. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's crazy how that happened. I'd like to hear the details because ESPN's gonna go probably go after them in court. I'd assume. I assume those Disney lawyers are gonna are gonna flex their muscles a little bit. Probably in some way when you get embarrassed like this on a national scale. Yeah, it it doesn't make you f- feel great about things, but. I don't think ESPN does this very often. I still love ESPN. I still love a lot of oh, their programming. Of course. But it's just at some point, you put athletes at risk. And, and you know what's even crazier? This apparent team played a game against a Georgia school two days prior. Yeah. Yeah. Which is even crazier because <laughs> I don't know how many of our listeners have played football before, but if you play a football game, your body is destroyed for a good three, four, five days, and then you peak again on Friday night and you go out, and then you crash again, right? Playing a football game three days after you just play, two or three days, that's ridiculous. I, I don't even know. At least we know with ESPN we can watch some quality preseason football sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes. Unless it's on NFL Network, then we can't watch. But, <laughs> yes, we were able to watch some good preseason football for the last three weeks. I, I don't know if good's the word, but preseason football. And it's always fun. This has probably been one of the most entertaining preseasons as a Bears fan. Yeah, for a while. It's been for a while. And it's obvious why. Seeing Justin Fields out there is just a glimmer of hope. I feel like a little kid in a candy shop just looking at all the options here. Justin Fields, to me, some would say he didn't have the best preseason, but he looked fine to me. 30 for 49, 276 passing yards, 92 rushing yards. But what was... His thing that really enticed me and excited me was his ability to make plays that we haven't seen in years in Chicago, maybe ever. Probably, in I Chicago. probably ever. I, I never got, I didn't have the privilege to watch Sid Luckman go sling a football around, but I'm pretty yeah, sure it's a different era of football. Uh, too. I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he didn't do things like this. Like, what was the last time you saw a quarterback on the Bears scramble to the right, turn his body, and throw to a Courtney Adams receiver moving the other way on the sideline? Like. It, I haven't seen that in years. Or Jester Horsebred's touchdown catch between two defenders in one hand. Those are throws that Bears quarterbacks previously couldn't make. So just to watch those exciting plays, it's a different type of football in Chicago. And it's exciting because the Bears, they've really been playing like it's been 1985 for the last three decades. It, it's true. The game the game hasn't moved forward for them. And, we, and I... I'd like to see a counter of how much times we've mentioned 1985 and the old Bears, and the old Bears strategy of being trying to be relevant through that strategy. I think this could be the turn of the new leaf. But if you look at what Justin Fields has done, he's reading the offense. He's making people believe. 
He's making people believe. He's making, most importantly, the locker room and the coaching staff believe. But here's the issue. If you get people to buy in too early, then Andy Dalton is left of a locker room that thinks, okay, Justin's just starting week three or week four. Yeah, and it's tough in the locker room, but actually watching the preseason, for me, strengthened my belief that Andy Dalton should start week one. Okay. Because yeah, I want to hear that. I, I watched Fields, and he looked good, but he also looked like the game hadn't come to him yet. To me, that's what I saw. At points, he held onto the ball for a little bit too long, and he would get sacked. The offensive line is not great. No, it's that. not. And it's but not a first team either. It, it felt like... Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's not a first team. But even when he was out with the first team offensive line against the Titans, that was the first team offensive line. Are we recording? Last, yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> Last <laughs> week we played. New podcast studio. We have to get over some of the, the bumps and bruises. But if you look at the way he played... Yeah, there was some encouragement, but it also looked like the game hadn't come to him quite yet quickly enough. So I think that having Dalton there, a veteran presence, just to show him the ropes of what it's like to dress up at an NFL game on the largest stage in the world with a stadium packed to the brim this year, right? We're getting a full soldier field. So it's going to be a little bit different. and I'm fine with Dalton starting week one. And who knows? Get to week four, week six. Dalton takes us to the NFC Championship game. <laughs> who knows? But all I'm saying Stranger is... Stranger things have happened. Nick yes. Foles has a Super Bowl MVP. Exactly. Stranger things have happened. All I'm saying is I'm all right with Fields not starting based off of what I saw in the preseason. Yes, he excited me. Yes, I'm excited for the future. But I can understand the process here. And ultimately, we saw it with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen it with other QBs in the past. This system typically seems to work, and hopefully Fields follows in their footsteps. Yeah, it's Justin Fields. He's He has one thing about him that I've seen is he gives off that winner's mentality. He has that winner's edge to him where he has that confidence. He, has, he plays with a lot of swagger and confidence that kind of propels him to kind of act differently than any other quarterbacks we've had. You don't see Mitch on. You don't see Mitch being like how Justin is on the sideline. You don't see that that confidence ever read off on, on Mitch. But you could see it with Justin Fields, and that's what the best quarterbacks do. Best best quarterbacks have that sort of swagger. I mean, but if you have that swagger and you're not good, it's obviously you look stupid. You're Drew Locke. But <laughs> I know as much as that hurts to say, as much as that hurts to say, it's true. But a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers, they all have that sort of championship swagger, and I can already see that with Justin Fields kind of having that confidence. And I think for a quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback, having supreme confidence in yourself is not a bad thing. Yeah, and I saw a tweet from our boy at Dickerson ESPN, and he came out and he said that Justin Fields had a bad practice, but Justin Fields would not leave the football field after he was throwing time and time again with Darnell Moody, throwing time and time again with Allen Robinson, and he would not leave the training facility after a da- bad day at practice. I never heard one of those stories from Mitchell Trubisky. You, I, so honestly, I, that was something that you did hear from Mitch, he was a hard worker, but you, you heard it all from behind the scenes. With that, you want to see Justin Fields. But I was... It, I don't know if we talked with the... I can't remember the last time we co- recorded a podcast, but I was at training camp, 
And when I was down there and I was waiting on the sideline for Justin Fields to come out, they kicked me out before he could even before he was even halfway done practicing. That was about an hour after the end of practice. So he was really he I could tell you that is a true fact, at least for one random training camp practice. He really was looked like he was working really hard after practice, which was is a pretty grueling practice too. There was a lot of sprinting and stuff. Coach Nagy had them do, but it really he really looked like he was really trying to master his craft and get to know his receivers better, which is always a good thing. And just kind of thinking about this from like a draft capital standpoint, it always seems like these guys that fall in the draft are the guys that have that crazy work like attitude. You think of of obviously Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Some of these guys that fell in the draft deeper than they were supposed to, and they turned out to be studs, and it's because of that work ethic that they developed. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has his, his attitude issues and whatnot because of that. He always has had that chip on his shoulder because he fell so deep in the draft. But Fields is a talented quarterback. He's got that chip now. And you, if you look Justin Fields in the eyes, you can see it. You can feel it through the TV screen. He is a man on a mission, and he is hungry. And he's not going to stop until he reaches his goals. Now, will he succeed? Does that always work? No. But that's something I never saw in Mitch. When I looked in Mitch's eyes, I saw fear. I agree with that. I agree with that to a certain extent when his confidence went down after 2018. I feel like that fear really came out in 2019, 2020. I agree. And that's what I was referring to. In 2018, he was much better with that. But, Jacob, we have some... We have, some break, we have some breaking news out of the New England camp. Two things have happened, not just one. First of all, Mac Jones has been named the starter in New England. He's the second rookie quarterback to earn the starting job, along with Trevor Lawrence. That doesn't come to a uh, surprise to me. There was kind of the COVID fiasco with Cam Newton. But here's what really came to surprise me. Cam Newton has been released from New England. Wow. So where does Cam Newton end up? That blindsides me. Holy I, I, I kind of mentioned See, it. I, you would expect... Now, here's my question. Did Cam Newton demand he be released? I, I don't know. I literally just got the notification that he's been released. And um, I know Mac Jones and Cam Newton have had a good relationship. Yeah, together. it's very their, their interesting. Their relationship has been brother and brother. They've been tied and Newton's been mentoring Jones through this entire process, even though they're completely different styles of quarterback, wow, where 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 do you think Newton's gonna end up? I'm just trying to think of places. It kind of seems like most most teams have their their guy at, at QB rather through the draft or through free agency, or they've already made that decision in in camp. I don't know where. I mean, this is this is late to, to be the, cutting Cam Newton, and it's late, and it's even later for a team to go sign Cam Newton and say, "Hey, we're gonna make you our starting quarterback." It's way too late to become a starting quarterback. And at this point, too, like, what are you going to do with Cam? Put him at a running back? Like, yeah, he's he's a, probably one of the best backups available in the league right now outside of Mitch Trubisky, who lit up the Bears a couple of weeks back. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know where he'd end up. I, I'm sure a team would pick him up. But he's. We'll hear more about that today, but it's so interesting to hear about this because he's, like, he is... Six years removed from an MVP, Cam Newton in 2015 was undoubtedly the best quarterback in the NFL. Undoubtedly that year. He was unbelievable. 
if you think about it too, though, like I, I don't understand why the Patriots would cut him too. Cause it's just Cam Newton towards the end zone when he gets into the red zone, he's almost unstoppable on some plays, right? Because you just put him out there and you do a read option, he either plows it himself or pitches it to the running back. So that just kind of confuses me. I don't think he was given a massive contract. I don't no. think it would have been a big payroll hit. And to cut someone a week before the season starts, that's that's like suicide to that player that's completely killing their value on the market. That surprises me. And I knew we knew it was gonna be a quarterback battle in in New England from day one. But I'm I was I thought Cam Newton was gonna be the starter there, honestly. That's what I thought. For at least a, for at least a few weeks. I well, thought I thought until after they played Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just because if Tom Brady goes out there and Mac Jones gets embarrassed on a national stage, how bad is that gonna look for Belichick? It would look bad. It would it, look very bad. I don't know what teams would be interested. I'm trying to think on the top of my head teams that are quarterback issues. I don't Broncos? think Here's the thing. Right? Like, that rumor they've already got two guys there that are capable. That rumor's always kind of stuck with people that Cam Newton's been a Bronco because you know he was, he, we were in 2011. He was the first overall pick, and then Vaughn was the second. People always thought if Cam Newton falls, then the Broncos are going to take him. There's always there's so much theories about Cam Newton being in Denver. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Teddy's going to be a fine option in Denver, um, but. You got to think he's going to end up some like somewhere where they need a quarterback. Like, dude, here's my prediction right now. My prediction is he's going to be a Houston Texan. I think he's. I think the Texans are going to make that move. They need to put butts in seats. They need to do some sort of move with Sean Watson. His future's up in the air. I think Cam Newton will be good because I don't know how ready Davis Mills is. I have not heard anything about him. To I be believe they're starting Tyra Taylor or Tyra Taylor. Then, then I don't even know. I, I completely forgot Tyrod was on that team. I think that's the second time. They're they're stayed. similar in playing style as well. Tyrod Taylor and Cam Newton. Cam's just bigger. Yeah. yeah, Cam is a bigger guy. That that is really intriguing. He's gonna end up somewhere. He gotta be right. Yeah. He, he, he has think. to. He has to end up in a place. You know, if you have any ideas, listening to us, you can tweet it at us at Rivals Podcast. Tell us where you believe that he's gonna go. That's that's an interesting topic, but kind of kind of switching doors here, right? So obviously, that's some big national news. What else is going around the league? So there's a lot of stuff going around the league with preseason um, injuries. J.K. Dobbins towards ACL. That was re- that really really hurt my my fantasy team. You got Gus the bus behind him. I don't know how big of a difference that's going to really make, honestly, to the Ravens. I mean, J.K. Dobbins is a pretty good running back, but honestly, I have a lot of confidence in Gus Edwards in Baltimore. And Todd Gurley's still out there, too, on the free agency list, and I you think that he'd be signed by now. I know he was one of the least efficient backs in the NFL last year, but you think that somebody would, would pick him up and just... At least take a try at him, right? Exactly, yeah, at least a tryout. He's only 27. He's not like he's that old. So I think he gets a tryout somewhere... Maybe if there's going to be some problems, but it'll probably be later in the regular season or, or for a playoff push for him because his knees are not in great shape. Um, what are some other national news? Well, obviously, just talking some Bears things. Javon Wims has been cut, and honestly, I thought he'd be cut last season after he got into an altercation with Gardner Johnson on the Saints. Oh God! I don't know so why funny. why you'd punch a guy in the helmet. That <laughs> yeah, hurts your hand. It hurts your hands more than it hurts him. Yeah, yeah. but. 
Javon Williams has been problems ever since he stepped onto the field for the Bears. He let up a fantastic flea flicker play that should have been a touchdown. He let that go right through his hands, took my hopes and dreams right with it. But he's been a guy that I've never really been too happy with on the Bears roster ever since that Gardner-Johnson altercation. So I'm, I'm happy that he's gone in some way. There's some guys on the team that kind of scratch your head, scratch your head while they're still on the team. Like I would like to say Ryan Null. I don't know why he's on the team. I, I mean, love Ryan Null. I mean, he's a, special, <laughs> he's, a, he's a special. Maybe he's really productive on special teams, and I just don't see it. But it's kind of funny seeing him barely make the team every year. Another guy, one of those guys, is Jasper Horstad. But he scored three touchdowns in, in a massive game. One with a beautiful one-handed catch. So you can't really drop him. He deserves you can't a cut, spot. You can't cut someone after that performance. But if you look at the Bears roster, tight ends-wise, the Bears are probably one of the deepest tight ends room in the league right yeah. now. You think about maybe the Patriots are the only team with a deeper tight end room. Jimmy Graham, who is in, he, on the field, he has some issues. He's missed time, some jumps, and he's let some balls go through his hands. But in the red zone... He's one of the best red zone tight ends in the league. He's actually tied for the most overall red zone targets with Devontae Adams last year in the entire NFL. So he gets a ton of targets down there, and he's efficient with that as well. Cole Komet, who's our little Arlington Heights friend here, he's been fantastic in the field, really started to show up towards the end of last season. And then on top of that, like you said, Jesper Horst said, eh, who knows Who knows what he can do on a football field? He put up three touchdowns against the Titans in the preseason. So you never know. You like to see it, but you truly never know what is going to happen. Yeah, there's a, one defensive standout, too. I agree with the just complete, it's preseason football. It's, some stuff's going to happen. It's fun to watch. It's yeah. fun to take hot takes from it. Alec Ogletree is another guy that looked really good in that first preseason game. He made a lot of plays up the middle. That could be him being in the right place at the right time, or he could have some talent there. I think he'll make the roster. It's always good to have some depth at that linebacker position because it's so taxing for for the players. I, defense has looked fine. I mean, there's been some issue, hiccups in that second game, but I'm not going to look too far into that. Um, it's just now it's the waiting game for week one. I don't know how much is going to happen from now in week one. We know Dalton's a starter. We know how the offense is kind of going to look. Uh, what Before we close, what are you expecting from the Bears out of week one? Out of week one. We'll go more into also, we'll go more into this in our yeah, next we're, episode. We're gonna, in, our, in our next episode, we're going to just take a look at the Bears' schedule overall and make more predictions. But from the Bears, instead of going into week one, because we're going to cover that next week, I'm just going to talk about some things that I think really need to happen for the Bears to be a contender this year. Because, honestly, yeah. if you look at it, the Bears have a shot at the wild card spot. This division we're in isn't very strong outside of Green Bay. No. We're looking at possibly the Vikings benching Kirk Cousins at some point this season. There's your hot take, no one. I know. And we have a few of those. The, the Lions are the Lions right now. There's not much analysis needed to be put on the Lions right now. So the Bears have a path where they could squeak out nine, maybe ten wins and make that third wild card spot because that's still there. It's a possibility. You never know. But for that to happen, I think the Bears' defense needs to step up and create turnovers. The Bears have not had a positive turnover differential since 2018. So it is imperative that the Bears create turnovers with their defense this year 
And whether that's Andy Dalton making better decisions, Justin Fields making better decisions, hopefully not Nick Foles making better decisions. No, 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 but don't the, even say that, man. <laughs> but, but the defense stepping up and getting turnovers as well. We saw Danny Trebathan get an interception in the third preseason game against the Tennessee Titans. For me, those are kind of my keys to the Bears' success this season alongside that offense continuing to grow and get better and the emergence of Darnell Mooney. Yeah. For me, when we're going more to the offensive side of the ball because you cover the defense, I think offense, the offensive line has to hold it together. You have to have Jason Peters, who's I know he's he's older. That was a fantastic side. I, I like that, that signing. That was a fantastic signing. We, we didn't get to really pick up on that today, but we can do that right now. I thought it was a great signing. We both agree with it. That offensive line needs to be better. They need to figure out ways to place a unit, which will take time. The offensive line won't be clean right away. But hopefully by the time the offensive line's cleaned up a little bit, it's Justin Fields' time. I think when we're talking about Fields to close it up, I think he comes in not when he's ready. I think he's ready right now, honestly. I think it's more if that offensive line is ready because you don't want that kid to get killed behind that line. I think when that offensive line develops, I think it will be his time. But here's one thing Coach Nagy needs to do is my closing statement. What Coach Nagy needs to do is he needs to have his playbook be very, very different from what he ran with Mitch to Dalton and very, very different from what he ran to Dalton to Fields. Because if he runs the same place he ran with Mitch, he's out the door at the end of the season. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, we'll be having a new head coach. He has to change what he's been doing with that. And And he has to change what he's been doing with Dalton when he goes to Justin Fields. Yeah, adapting and changing to adversity is one of the biggest things in football. And like we said, Rivals Podcast, we're changing studios, constantly adapting. So that's going to finish it up here. We'll be back with you next week. We'll be, like we said, previewing the Bears' schedule alongside a week one full preview. So excited. Can't wait for the NFL season. I'm literally shaking right now. Signing off. For Rivals Podcast, I'm Jacob Siciliano. I'm Nolan Hamilton. Thank you for listening.